So, Laura, go ahead and, and tell us who you are and, and give us a, a bit of a backstory into everything. Okay, so um, my name is Laura Fulcina. I'm 22, just recently graduated from UNC Charlotte in spring 2019. Uh, I was born in Providence, Rhode Island, but I grew up down here in North Carolina most of my life. But where my family's from, my parents, they came from Laos, Asia, which is a small country, third world country between Thailand and Vietnam. And so basically just to bring back, all the way back to where... um, from my parents they lived in Laos they were born there they lived there during the Vietnam War and so they needed they wanted to escape Laos because of the war happening the government was corrupt and so starting from my mom's side very briefly uh, she moved from Laos to Thailand with her family and stayed in a refugee camp Mm -hmm. and then she was there until I think the age of 16 and came to America with her family so so the refugee camp. So she's she leaves Laos because mm-hmm. of the war. And and how much is that is the Vietnam War affecting the country of Laos during this time? I mean, it's a lot, uh, especially because from both sides, my mom and my dad, their parents or their fathers were in the military, so they did a lot, especially on oh, my wow. dad's side. Yeah. So apparently, what happened was if you know communism was taking over Laos, if they knew you were in the military, mm-hmm. uh, you would get executed. And so from my mom's side, at least, from what they've told me, my grandfather, he had to hide all of his like military things, like his uniforms, etc. And they both had farms, so they dug a hole in the ground in the farm and dug it up and hid it. So people wouldn't find out he was in the military so he wouldn't get killed. So the, so communism spreading. And what, mm-hmm. what year is this? Or like what time frame are we looking at? I'm not so like exactly sure. Yeah, around there, 60s, 70s. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they, so the com- communism's coming in, mm-hmm. and then they go, okay, if you're in the military, because it, you're probably trying to squash mm-hmm. anything that has remnants of like the past era, they're coming, they're finding you, mm-hmm. and you're out. Yes. Okay. So you're, you're both your, is it your dad? Oh, it's, it's your grandfather mm-hmm. that was pretty big in the military. Yes. Uh, at least I don't, I'm not sure. Sh- too sure about on my mom's side how Mm -hmm. big he was but i know on my dad's side he was very well known so that Mm. would like come into play on my about my dad's side of the story how he came here but like for my mom um you know they left laos went to thailand they stayed there for a few years and then they came to america Mm -hmm. uh you need uh, i forgot what the word is but someone has to i guess sponsor sponsor? you yes to come to america so they're waiting on that that's why they would stay at the refugee camps Mm -hmm. and then for my dad's side of the story is I feel like it's a little bit more intense, at least from what my dad told me. So he was younger than my mom. Um, I'd say he was in Laos and he had to like escape it, escape it. So he left in the middle of the night. He and To say he has like 11 siblings, other mm-hmm. siblings, but he left by himself this one night. Uh, I think some of them were already in Thailand waiting for him. How old was he, do you think? Around, I know he came to America around he was 11 or 10 so he was very young probably eight Mm -hmm. i believe and so his dad my grandfather's already in thailand waiting for him and so he had to escape on these boats and Mm -hmm. how he tells me it's like there are two boats you get on one of them and because he was a kid um this young couple took care of him while they were on the boat and so the boats went separate ways and then 
the one boat he he remember he heard like gunshots mm-hmm. and so he was like i don't know if those people ever made it to thailand but his boat made it eventually to thailand with like him the young couple and like other people mm-hmm. and they had to wait until someone came to rescue them so they it was late at night they dug holes in the sand and slept there and then i think the cops from thailand came and got them mm-hmm. brought them to their jail so i was like you can't leave until someone comes picks you up like someone that they know Mm -hmm. and so because my grandfather was so big in the military he came by picked up my dad and then my dad was like you know till this day he wished he knew where that young couple where they're at now today because they took care of him and he's so grateful for that so yeah that was my dad's whole story you know if you tried to escape you get caught you get executed Mm -hmm. so he i don't know how long he was in thailand but eventually he came to america at the age of 11 10 or 11 Mm -hmm. And then, you know, both my parents, they started school here. So I guess like continuing the story after escaping Laos, uh, they started school here. None of them knew English. And then I guess going back to my mom's side, this is another thing. Uh, She started school not knowing English at all. And so she had to learn. And my parents, they speak English quite well today. So it was just a struggle. They had no money as well. My mom would tell me how... They would have to go to church and get clothes from there. And then when they went to school, people would make fun of them because they didn't have nice clothes. They couldn't speak English. And so that was like their upbringing. That's that's what they grew up mm-hmm. going through. And then eventually, you know, my parents met in Rhode Island. My dad like saw my mom at a laundromat mm-hmm. and it was like, she's the one. Mm-hmm. And he was he was chasing after her for some time until they eventually, you know, almost like, okay, yeah. let's date. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. They had my sister and then me. They were like in their early 20s. And so I guess continue the story too. Where we lived in Providence, Rhode Island. So very, you know, it's a small estate in the United States. And it, it wasn't a good area at all. Like around the corner from where our house was, you would get shot. Mm-hmm. So it was very dangerous. My mom, the school system was terrible. And my mom said, I don't want our kids to grow up in this environment. So we had family down here in Mooresville, North Carolina, South Carolina, all that. And we came to visit. My parents loved the weather. Mm-hmm. It's not snowing all the time. Mm-hmm. And then it was just a better environment. So my mom told my dad one day, it's like, you know what? I'm going to pack the kids, pack everything, even though you know, we don't have much, we're going to move down here so the kids can have a better environment to grow up in. And my dad wanted to stay, but then my mom's like, well, I'm going to go, you know. Right. And so, you know, we all came down and we only had, my mom told me only like a couple thousand dollars. Like we didn't have much. We ended up living at my aunt's house for a bit and we, all four of us stayed in one small room. It was a laundry room, I mm-hmm. believe. That's where we slept for a few months until we got our own place. But we had, we didn't have much. And so, Years later, years later, and the recession hits. You know, my dad he ended up losing his job because he was newer on the. He's a mechanic. He mm-hmm. worked for Honda for many years, which is another part of his backstory. And he ended up switching from one Honda to another. And because I think there's you know, so a recession, and the person that owned that Honda store um, or the shop he got caught in like fraud or something like that and so he knew he was gonna get fired because he was one of the first like newer people mm-hmm. and so he just quit and he was like jobless for a while i remember we didn't have much money my sister was starting college around that time and so my dad was like you know what i've been wanting to do this for a long time i want to open my own business like open my own mechanic shop he didn't agree with like 
you know, he worked for Honda for so long. He's met people, uh, been in other places beside Honda. And he's like, yeah, most of these people, some of them don't have good ethics. Like, mm-hmm. their be- ethical behavior, they'll do things, they'll try sell you things that you don't need and he's like, i don't want to do that so he he's like i'm gonna do this like on my own and so he started the business i was middle school 12 13 and so it was very slow at first because you know it's a recession and there were days when no one would come in i helped my dad out mm-hmm. I, I worked there from the beginning all the way until i graduated high school mm-hmm. so but then you know he's been five six years more than six years possibly the business has grown we have you know customers that come back all the time and it's it's in the small town of downtown Mooresville so like a lot of people go there and they know my family and now my mom works there so it's just you know the family business mm-hmm. yeah so that I mean it's obviously like one of the crazier stories because like yeah. you know <laughs> I mean I grew up like my dad's contractor yeah. but like it was all good what's it like because with most people that start their own business or like most contractors, like they, they come from a very, it's a tougher background, mm-hmm. right? They didn't grow up with a silver spoon. Mm-hmm. They grew up where money is, is scarce. Mm-hmm. And when you run a business, it's very, very different. The, your mindset towards this stuff when you grow up with nothing versus when you grow up where like the world's your oyster. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to running a business and opening this stuff, I mean, your dad came from not, I mean, he was sleeping in sand yeah. and then now he's got his own business mm-hmm. what's it like for him to operate the business or like from your side of things when you see how he approaches money or you see how he approaches the business as a whole is he very like open-minded of like yeah let's try all these new things mm-hmm. and be very like yeah screw it we'll try it or is it very like well i don't want to lose any money so let me go ahead and just like do everything i can to limit my losses i mean my dad you know like technology wise things are changing all the time it's Mm kind of the same with cars you know back then it was just a key put in the ignition but now there's like push to start and um he's he's willing to try new things and he knows that he has to take a test every year or something like that to learn new things Mm -hmm. and so he's okay with that but with my parents they've done finance in the past too and their thing was they also to my sister and i was like don't spend more than like what you need like live be don't live beyond your means mm-hmm. i think that's the saying yeah. so i mean i think they're pretty good with money uh-huh yeah so what was it like on those days when there's nobody coming into the shop uh i remember those days it was at the very beginning maybe the first year or two my dad would i he would just sit there in the office area with me i was the receptionist and so we just sit there and i felt you know it was kind of heartbreaking for me to see my dad because you know Obviously, he did this also for the family. He wanted mm-hmm. to, like, get us money and, like, build us. And he, my parents' goal was, like, for my sister and I to have a better future than what they had. Mm-hmm. And so it was just kind of heartbreaking. And we would just sit there. Sometimes we'd close early. The, uh, yeah, there, there were literally days when no one would come in. So it was just sit there, have lunch, and then it's like, okay, we're closing early. We're going to go home. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Because when you have a shop, I mean, there's also overhead. Like, mm-hmm. you can't just like, oh, yeah, oh yeah. when somebody comes in, it, you know, it costs me money to like, you know, change the oil or like mm-hmm. rotate, whatever it is. You get, you're still having fixed overhead mm-hmm. that whether you get 100 people in that day or zero people, you still mm-hmm. got to pay for the shop. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're sitting there and the money is just slowly draining out 
no matter how many people you get in the day. Yeah, it was a rough few years, but I mean, that's what they also say about startup companies. It, mm-hmm. it might take like a couple years to start making profits, but I think it was more of because we were new, it was in the recession, and people didn't really know us. Mm-hmm. But then people, when they would come in, they realized, oh, this is a family business. You know, I love that, and they want to support us. And uh, my dad, you know, like I said, he wanted to do everything right. He didn't want tell people hey you need this even though you don't need it Mm -hmm. or i don't know but he people really enjoyed that and liked that about him so they would come back so the business did grow from then so your mom during this time Mm -hmm. there's there's really what i find is there's two scenarios with contractors when they start their own business there's two scenarios that the spouses go through Mm -hmm. one is they're very supportive two is they're supportive but they're not giving them the contractors the time Mm-hmm. or the support that they need to get this thing going. Meaning they go, yep, I support you. I want this thing to work, but this thing better work in the next two months or else you're going to get a job. Mm-hmm. So it's it's almost like a pseudo support. So your mom during this time, how is she handling all this? Because she's got two kids to feed. Yeah, Your, your dad's sitting there. There's nobody coming in. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's her mindset during this? Um, I mean, I, she was very supportive of my dad, mm-hmm. you know, because – when he started, when he became a mechanic, she was there from the beginning. He was like, you know, I support you. They actually, my mom told me this story. They actually sat down together. It was like, okay, if you are actually going to become a mechanic, you need to specialize in one of these cars. And you want to pick a car that a lot of people drive. And so, like, you know, they drive it, they'll come to you to get it fixed. Mm-hmm. So she was very supportive from the beginning um, because he ended up opening his own shop. And, you know, it was very slow at the beginning. My mom was like, well, she she's a beautician. She did hair. So she kept doing her job as well. So this is what happened. During the day, uh, I was, you know, 12, 13. During the day I was in school, my mm-hmm. mom would be at the shop with my dad as, like, keeping things clean, picking up the phone, taking people in. Um, and then by the time school is out, uh, she'll come pick me up. I'll come and replace her, and she'd go to work. So she'd work all day with my dad and then mm-hmm. go into her hair cutting job until like 9 p.m. She wouldn't get home until like 9.30, 10 p.m. And then we'd have dinner and that was the day. And that was like that for many years. So she was very supportive of him.